Hello and welcome to Spotlight On. I'm your host, Lawrence Purrier. Spotlight On is brought to you by Light, the technology platform reimagining e-commerce for live events. You can learn more about Light by going to light.com forward slash partnerships. That is L-Y-T-E dot com forward slash partnerships. Today, the spotlight is on Ola Sars, founder, CEO, and chairman of Soundtrack Your Brand a Stockholm-based company that helps businesses around the world find and program the right music to elevate their customers' experience with their brand. I found Ola's business and story compelling, and I hope you do as well. Enjoy. Hey. <laughs> how are you, Can sir? you hear me? I can. I'm good. How are you? I love your setup. You look so professional. Well, it's all, you know, it's all a facade, right? <laughs> no, I mean, uh, we're, we're, we just changed our office and we're in a newly set up office. We literally just changed and I'm in a completely new room with just gray walls and a desk. That's all. So very, very minimalistic. I love it. I love it. Um, well, it's a, it's a pleasure to meet you. Thank you for making time. Same, same. So, uh, I think that's that's a great uh, a great way to open. So you just moved offices. Um, who was it that moved offices, and what do you all do? So we're a company called Soundtrack Your Brand out of Stockholm, Sweden. Um, we are basically what Spotify is for the consumer market for the B two B market. So we're an audio streaming platform for businesses. So in, in simple words, when you go into a Joe and the Juice or a McDonald's or a Macy's or wherever you are in the world, there's audio in the background. Usually it's music referred to as background music. Um, we, we cater to that market and we're bringing that market into the 2020s, into the future and into the streaming model. So helping brands to use music to augment the customer experience and just build their brands and, and, and drive their business, basically. Yeah. What was the state of the art before you came along? How did, how did businesses solve this problem or, or address this need in the past? Well, I think uh, comparing uh, the business to business market, which I'm pioneering, if you may, with what happened in the consumer markets, which we're all pretty aware of, is, is pretty good comparison. So in the consumer markets, when we all started using streaming, you know, 10, 10 plus years ago, depending on where you are in the world, um, there were CDs, obviously, there were some satellite radio solutions and there was uh, file sharing, illegal file sharing. So it's pretty much the same in the B2B space, but we're, we're basically 10 years behind the evolution of the consumer market. So if you, if you go out and, and you ask, you know, your local cafe, your local restaurant owner, or if you go out and check, you know, the big chain in your block, then either they'll be using some type of CD based solution uh, or they'll be actually using some type of satellite-based solution or something, some very something very clunky and legacy-wise. Um, and or there, if there's a small business, there's this huge problem that a lot of them are using consumer services to yeah. actually play music in their in their business, which isn't completely shocking, right? Because there were no streaming services for B two B before Soundtrack was launched. So, if you really want the power of streaming as most people want, then you're kind of forced to using 
just I use the analogy using a Netflix account to open a cinema. It's basically <laughs> the same thing. Yeah, yeah, that that's a great analogy. I, I think we've all had the experience of going into a coffee shop or a bar and seeing the um the person behind the counter plugging their own iPhone into the um into the house uh, sound system, and uh, right. even during a change of a shift, the music would stop for a few minutes while the next <laughs> while the next person came in and took their phone out and put in the other person's phone. Um, so. In terms of, so and I guess uh, one way to say it would be uh, sort of bringing a stability or a legitimization to, um, you know, to in, uh, in, in business or B2B uh, sort of background music. Um, what are some of the other innovations or if not innovations, at least features that become available because of a service like yours that maybe weren't available in the past? The first one that comes to mind to me is just from looking at your material would be the true customization. You know, if I have a flower shop and I spent so much time and attention on the decor and the fixtures and the displays, I can bring the same level of detail to the music that plays. Um, but are there other, other features or other benefits that come up? Yes. I mean, I, first of all, you need to think about like all of these wonderful entrepreneurs that are you know, building either their small or big businesses. I mean, even if you're running one restaurant in Ohio versus you're running a thousand, you know, juice bars out of Copenhagen, Denmark worldwide, like Joan the Juice is one of our customers. It's, it's the same type of respect we approach them because they've spent millions or thousands of hours thinking about their brands, right? And they've invested a lot of money in the brand experience and the customer experience, everything from advertising to what the juice bar looks like, what staff you recruit, everything goes into delivering a customer experience that is in line with the brand that you want to build. Mm. Uh, so music, obviously, in audio or what comes into the consumer's ears is an integral part of, of that work when you're building a brand and when you're, when, you're, when, you're, when you're building a customer experience. So first of all, everyone almost, when we look at research, we've used Nielsen to kind of research the market, obviously, around 90% roughly are playing music and using audio to enhance or augment the customer experience. And that's not news to anyone, right? Because when you walk into a bar or a restaurant, right, there's music going on. And then you think about all the, all the, you know, the weight that they put into building these beautiful brands, these entrepreneurs, and then all of a sudden they get the power of music or the power of audio, which is actually affects us a lot. It, you know, it can, it can shape the whole experience. It can make people buy another drink or fall in love or dance or whatnot. We've all been through that experience. So obviously it's an important dimension of building a business and a brand. What we do is we kind of bring that, um, that ambition into the digital era where first of all, as you said, we give them the power of 51 million tracks um, in 75 markets real time. And that has never existed before. So you could pick from all the beautiful art in the world and kind of craft your own brand sound. And that brand sound can be different in Chicago versus Austin versus Miami. Or if you're in New York, it can be different in Brooklyn versus Queens versus on Wall Street, right? Because it's a different crew. It's a different vibe. It's still that brand, but you, you want to deliver specific customer experience in real time. So what, what happens when you bring technology into a legacy market, obviously you open up the power of technology. In this instance, it's actually intelligence, understanding what sound, where, and when. So trying to simplify for a business owner to deliver the right music at the right place at the right time on brand driving whatever type of business that they're trying to you know, build. So 
yes, first of all, it helps an entrepreneur to translate their brand or their brand strategy or brand positioning into a music platform. And we use that. We help them by powerful AI or music intelligence platform that we built that's proprietary for brands. So with our service, you could basically tell the service, okay, I want a brand that is progressive, uh, but still elegant. Um, and I want to have classical music, jazz music, and soul music. And I only want music from the 60s, 50s, and 70s. And I want it to be high energy um, during lunch hours. And I want it to go down to low energy during dinner hours. And I want the Tuesday to be different than the Thursday. So you keep feeding into kind of our platform. And our platform helps soundtrack the brand in real time worldwide. So kind of delivering that experience based on how you think about a brand. So um, that's the long risk. There's a very long response, but it, it goes back to the fact that with intelligence and with all the content and music in the world, you could, you could customize your brand experience worldwide in real time through music. Yeah. And did that you, helps you drive your brand. Did you, uh, did you and your team build the taxonomy that you referenced a minute ago? You know, the, 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 the mood keywords, the, the decades, all, all, you know, all of that um, classification. Did you build that? Yes. The, 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 the fun thing about this is I came personally from the consumer side. I've actually never worked in B2B before. So this is new for me with this, with this venture soundtrack. I came from the, the Beats Music side where I was the co-founder. And then we, that obviously became Apple Music. And then the other people on my team are mostly from Spotify. So we've all been through kind of the B2B um, revolution, if you may, of streaming. And, um, and that, on that uh, venture, it was all about trying to understand how you decode a human being's music preference and deliver, you know, the right music in your, in your, in your headphones, wherever you are, in terms of like a personal uh, prerequisite. And the B2B space, it's completely different. And it's so fun because you have to think about you're in a public venue. Uh, you're maybe in a commercial context. You have to relate to the brand itself, what they want to actually deliver in terms of experience and brand experience. And you need to think about where you are and the people in the room. So the, the challenge for feeding music intelligently was completely different for brands than for consumers. So we had to build the whole platform from, from scratch and, and start you know, decoding the job to be done or the use case for a brand builder rather than a consumer trying to find the next track, right? So yes, we, we had to start all over again, but it was, it was really fun because it also opened our, opened our minds and eyes for all of the potential. When, you, when you're playing the right music in the right place in the right time, we have multiple research efforts, but one specifically that was done with a big US-based uh, fast food chain out of Chicago, um, we actually were able to prove uh, uh, you know 9% increase on top line sales when applying our model to, to over 100 restaurants during a long six month test. So yes, it's a completely new way of, of slicing and dicing music and audio. And, it requires a whole new approach in terms of building technology. And we've been doing that for five years now. Can you talk a little bit about, um, about some of those, uh, some, uh, I I'm <laughs> hesitant to use the word, but some of the science around how music in the B2B context does drive um, 
consumer behavior, you know, uh, increased purchase uh, rate or increased spend? Because um, that's 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 some of the fascinating part of this. Um, and I'd love to hear more about that. It is. And, and that's probably why I'm going to be doing this until I retire, because there was so much more than when I started. I mean, my, my simple notion starting soundtrack was, OK, I've just done three startups in the consumer space and like I'm pretty much betting on on the future of music. And I think that market is completely undervalued. I think it can be much bigger. I think we can extract much more value in general on the, on the global music market. So, so when, when I started, uh, I actually didn't start thinking about B2B, by the way. People were starting to ask me when I was on the consumer side from the brands, how can I relate to streaming? How can I use streaming in my shops? How can I get streaming in my car dealerships? How can I use, you know, so it just kind of was forced upon me the fact that of course, there is something called a B2B music market. And that B2B music market, by the way, has not gone through the kind of migration or transition into digital. So there was this huge mark, you know, incremental opportunity to go after in terms of kind of building music market. Back to your question. Um, so I started with just the simple notion of just solving the problem for, for the business entrepreneur of getting a music streaming solution. So so they can also, you know, power their brands with 51 million tracks and the ability to change and playlists and do whatever, you know, kind of that you know, amazing enablement is when you have all the music in the world at your fingertips. Then I started realizing, okay, we're just solving the friction for the entrepreneur of actually getting music playing and, and the ability to, to playlist their, you know, their, their, their stores. Then we started looking at, and why are they doing it? Actually, what's really the driving mm -hmm. force? Why have they been doing it for 60, 70, 80 years? What's the history of background music or music? Or? So then, you know, the doors just started opening on me. All the research that has been done from the advertising side of, of science, which is actually science, believe it or not, where, you know, marketing studies on, on music effects on our brains in general and how we perceive a brand with one track versus another and so forth. So there was, there was a myriad of different science angles. And then it, it kind of flows into the neuroscientific area of, of research as well in terms of audio's effect on the human brain. So, and that's real science. So, so you know, that's not, not only commercial applications. It's also applied in psychology. It's applied in, in different types of uh, other, um, you know, theoretical frameworks. So it was, wow, there's this whole world opening to me. But then back to being an old crappy DJ, which I was back in the days, <laughs> it, it kind of was, it all came together, you know, full circle. It's like, of course, like I was standing there myself trying to help, you know, a bar or something, uh, you know, drive their business and, you know, play the music. And when you really nailed it, it was a great night. And the restaurant entrepreneur was super happy because they'd, you know, done 30, 40% sales better because the experience was great and people were staying in the bar so then we started kind of mm. decoding the scientific and the practical angles of um, you know supplying real-time technology to the notion of the effect from the right music at the right place at the right time and that just came together in this beautiful synergy it's like okay this is a really interesting opportunity imagine if we can unlock this science for entrepreneurs and actually use music, which by the way, is a very low um, alternative cost to change in real time versus you know changing what's on the shelves or what, what you're serving, then we're opening a whole new dimension in terms of um, you know, audio as a, as a marketing or, or a business platform for, for brands. So 
it has just begun, you know, and, and it's it's intriguing. I'm working with multiple universities around the world and kind of different angles to it, how it affects staff, how it affects productivity in a workplace, how it affects sales and and so forth. So a lot of fun. Uh, and there is a lot of actual tangible, um, quite, you know, robust science in the air as well. Yeah, that that's fun that you get to... Um... I don't think it's every entrepreneur that gets to sort of ha- dabble in the sideline of neuroscience. Um, that, that's a lot of fun to be able to think about how your product is actually sort of working at that level on people. And I had no clue coming into this because I, you know, I came in with a very simple idea uh, and it's super fun. I was, I was lucky because I, I, I do kind of personally uh, get stimulated when there is something else there and there's something bigger going on. Um, so, so here we are just very early in, in this, in this ambition to kind of unlock audio for businesses and brands. Yeah. Well, and so on the other side of that, um, something that is striking to me is it would seem this means more money in the pockets of creators. Yeah. And that's the beauty of it. I mean, um, that's why I'm, you know, not only did I find this, this scientific, kind of uh, dimension that I can, you know, go on with until I go 80. I also, I'm also able now to see the, you know, understand, which I didn't understand in the beginning either, was that this market was completely broken and dysfunctional. The value chain was corrupt, if I may. So background music, um, not running through a streaming infrastructure does not unlock royalty flow through to the right artist and the right songwriter, which it should in, in, you know, these ages, right? So, being able to apply the streaming value chain and the streaming model to B2B as well. I'm also unlocking incremental royalties for the creative side of the music industry, which is actually, I'm merely the distributor of the real people in the music industry. Those are the creators. And I'm happy And my job is to unlock value for them so they can keep creating. And then obviously I'll charge a, a chunk of money in order for me to, to R&D my product. Um, but it's it's a pretty fair equation. And, and this was just, the beauty of this was that B2B, um, they're actually prepared to pay more. Uh, they're prepared to pay more because they know when they're, when they're buying as a business, it usually costs more because of a couple of reasons. And if you're using music to sell more coffee, of course, I got to pay the songwriter for that because she should be actually compensated for me selling more coffee. There's, I don't have to explain that logic to anyone, but what I can explain, and now actually when you're paying me, I can guarantee you that the royalties flow through to that songwriter in Austin and not somewhere else. So, and I had no idea about that either. So that's just an extra, extra bonus for me. And that really drives me personally um, to, to be able to, to actually improve the ability for creators to live on their art. It's a really exciting uh, sort of repercussion or outcome from the service. And it also strikes me that um, as, as your business gets to scale and you become deployed in more locations and in, and, and, and in a diversity of business settings, that there's really an opportunity. Um, I hate to use the, the term, but really for those long tail artists, because it becomes less about having a hit song in this specific place as it is about having the right music and the right texture in this place. And it could be an instrumental musician. It could be a new age artist. It could be an ambient musician. It could be somebody doing something upbeat and, you know, percussion uh, ensembles, uh, you know, artists who might not get the same volume of streams in a B2C context. 
um, but are now um, now in higher demand in this B2B context where it is more about mood and setting. And um, so that, that's, that's a super exciting part of it as well. 100%. And, and it's really rewarding because it is exactly what you said. If you look at kind of the consumption of the catalog through our service versus Spotify, for example, it's very different. It's not just different in terms of long tail and kind of more indie, if I may use that word, artists, because it fits better. When you're trying to soundtrack your brand, you don't want to, nothing bad about Justin Bieber. He's a professional, great, big artist, but that's not what you want. You want to have that very specific, you know, they put a lot of time and effort into finding, finding that music and we help them with our machine learning platforms, but it's very different, the consumption of, of, of the music that they're doing. And, and, and also then we're, we're not only helping to kind of revitalize or re-inject, you know, life in the long tail. Um, we're also actually paying more royalties per stream. So meaning that when it's consumed, I'm charging more, hence more is flowing through the system to that, you know, long tail or indie artist, which is great, which is really, you know, it's, I'm not paying their rent uh, yet, but I'm doing something very productive. I'm, I'm increasing value in music. I'm, you know, um, kind of e extracting uh, high value because I'm creating a better exchange of value and B2B between that. So, and then I'm flowing through that royalty to the right songwriter, not, you know, to, to the wrong, which is actually um, in this industry, believe it or not, what happens sometimes because they actually pay based on radio plays and so forth. Yeah. Um, we, we'll get into that another day, but, but yeah. it, it, it's, 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 a, it's a good contribution. Yes. Yeah. And um, since you've touched on it a couple of times, I wanted to ask, um, let's talk about curation for a minute. Um, is your solution? Well, I guess at the most broad level, my question is how does curation work through your service? Is it the individual, you know, business owner or location manager versus your AI versus you have a team of sort of advisors or specialists? Is there a, is there a spectrum? How does it work? Um, well, all of the above, actually. I mean, back to the fact when it comes to B2B, it's, it's very customer focused. And, and these B2B customers are willing to pay a premium for it if we provide them a great service. And a great service in B2B is providing them with the ability to choose uh, the way that they want to curate, if you may. So my main job is to simplify their work, their daily, you know, life. Um, I'm, lo I'm looking to save them time. I'm looking to save them money and I'm looking to save them anxiety because there's a lot of anxiety of playing the wrong music and staff taking over and people, because they understand if it's wrong, it's, you know, it can really hurt my business. Uh, and, and they don't know how to curate and they, they try once doing a playlist and they realize it took me five hours to do this playlist and I got to redo it. And, you know, it's just impossible. Like for sooner or later, they understand the, the, the job to be done is, is pretty sophisticated. So uh, we provide them with the opportunity of either just, you know, logging on, buying the service online, you know, searching for, uh, let's just say Bruce Springsteen and we'll, we'll give them a Bruce Springsteen soundtrack um, based on Bruce Springsteen as the initial seed that lives forever. And you can just fire and forget and go run your business. That's like the, the simplest way you can choose a, re a ready-made uh, soundtrack that would, will always be up to date and refreshed based on that initial seed. Or we can move them one step, you know, closer to, you know, the curation process where they actually start feeding in, like I described earlier, like 
brand prerequisites or filters or, or, or tags, if you may, and create their own brand profile or brand DNA on the service. And so they basically are semi-engaged in creating the soundtrack. And then our machines kind of let that channel live forever. Then they can lean forward even further and, and create a music schedule, for example, take different soundtracks and put in different time slots over the week, which is basically the use case when you're running a business. It's always kind of a weekly cadence you could see entrepreneurs working by it, independently of what type of business you 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 kind of run. So, or you can go all the way to open a system, actually curate yourself. You know, every track. You can do everything from from hiring, you know, the the most sophisticated DJ in the world, working 12 hours a day, curating your experience to just launching a ready-made soundtrack and go sell coffee. So the, the service provides the flexibility and we need to do that because, uh, you know, every brand is different. Every snowflake is unique and, and some people do want to lean forward and some people just want the problem solved in 30, 30 minutes. Yeah. Can I ask, this has got to be an annoying question. So I'll, I'll ask your forgiveness in advance, but um, why wouldn't the major streaming services offer a B2B service? No, it's a very relevant question, and I get it obviously a million times. Uh, well, I founded this company together with Spotify first, so this is kind of Spotify's effort into the B two B space. It's it was my it was my co founder of the company, but Soundtrack is an independent, completely independent brand and company and service. So that's kind of the first comment. There is interest, but remember the consumer market. Even if we think it's it's you know it's all done, it's just begun. You know, there's only a couple of hundred million streaming users in the consumer market today. What they need to get to is billions of users. So, and Spotify knows that, Apple knows that, Amazon knows that. So they will be laser focused and driving the consumer market to the billions. And and focus is, you know, for, for Spotify, Daniel, who runs Spotify, who, who I know well, that's his main discipline. He does not lose focus, hence he wins. Like he has every minute that he spends is focused on, you know, getting to a billion users in the consumer market. By the way, they're also expanding the audio. So it's not just music now, it's the podcasting and everything. So audio for consumers is the battlefield that they're going after. And that battle has not been decided yet and will probably not be decided, in, you know, in the next five, six, seven years. Uh, so kind of answering from two dimensions. This is kind of a bet from, from the Spotify side. Secondarily, the consumer market will stay in focus and it's, it provides a lot of growth ahead from the hundreds of millions to the billions. And then thirdly, um, B2B is very different. It's very different in terms of product. The product is, I would say, completely inverse to a consumer product. So the technology we have to build is a centralized kind of content management system for, for brands. So you could sit at one instance, like Jones Juice, for example, which is a good example, thousand juice bars around the world, a lot of them in the US, but they're in Copenhagen. One person is curating the whole brand experience in real time and all the juice bars from one central point. That that couldn't happen on Spotify or anything because it's a decentralized endpoint, right? You, you, uh, you would have to trust the staff <laughs> to play the right brand, which is not, that's the biggest anxiety amongst brands and entrepreneurs that staff, you know, take over music and, and scare away the consumer because it, it, it's not what staff want to listen to. It's, it's, it's what the brand wants to kind of deliver in terms of brand experience. And then thirdly, or, or the fourth main uh, point is it's a completely different licensing structure. So the B2B services, B2C services do not have commercial licensing, B2B license. They could get it, of course, but then they would have to get 
16,000 contracts uh, that I've spent three and a half years kind of um, dealing with and, and signing. Uh, they'd have to build the product on top of that to deliver the B2B experience and connect those two dots together. And that's just a lot of time and effort um, that they would have to put uh, on, you know, building a B2B service for a much smaller market, by the way, while they're still focused on winning the consumer battle. So yes, they can, and maybe they will, but I'm just, you know, five, six years into it now with laser focus on this market. I think I kind of have somewhat of a head start at least. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have to deal with um, the same issues around audio innovation in terms of, um, you know, do you have to look at immersive audio or 3D audio or, or, or is it much simpler sort of because you're simple, you know, are you delivering a simpler product from the audio encoding point of view? Yes, I am. Yeah. Uh, but that also provides a very interesting future, right? Because it's audio. Uh, it's just that I'm focused on penetrating the global market right now. There's 128 million um, locations out there that play music. Um, that could potentially be addressed by my service. My first job is to get the service out there and in order to get it out there and then kind of monetize that market and bring those royalties to, uh, to you know, to the creators. Uh, beyond that, you want to start, you know, augmenting those experiences, making them more and more advanced. So not only the scientific kind of driving sales, maybe running, you know, ERP systems with the music platform in real time, depending on who's in the store and, you know, all of the kind of intelligent delivery scenarios you can imagine all the way to immersive audio experiences. So, you know, once again, I can keep doing this for a long while and, and never kind of be finished with it. And that's what I love about it. So if, if you and the team or the main team are based in Stockholm and there's a coffee shop down the street from me here outside of Seattle. Um, how do they find out about you and how do you reach them? Well, um, Spotify was only um, in Stockholm when they started selling in Seattle as well. So, so it's the same story. It's, it's, it's very close to buying software online. So if they're buying Square or if they're buying, you know, Workday or whatever they're buying, they're not buying it from your local sales guy in, in you know, Portland or whatnot. It's, um, um, it's, I'm basically search driven just to, to simplify it for you. Yeah. I'm opening an Italian restaurant in Kirkland. Uh, all right. I go online, I search Italian music for restaurants and then maybe uh, Frank Sinatra like, and there's like hundreds and or thousands of search patterns because the, Buying behavior is already there. The need is there. There is a demand function in the market already. So we can meet that. And usually that demand function starts applying online. So yeah. we sell online. So there's not a um, there's not like an army of global salespeople or there's not a reseller model through other people that are selling into there is There is. I mean, we the company is very we, – we rolled out Soundtrack 2018. We, 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 we had – spent a couple of years building it and kind of perfecting it in the Nordics here, which is Norway, Finland, Sweden. And then we started rolling out, you know, up at those 60, 76 markets where we are today. So 2018 was all about rolling out the initial markets. And then uh, 2019 uh, towards 2020, we hit 75 markets. Now it's ready to go. Now it's time for growth. And obviously something else happened that year. And we had to deal with that. Uh, but here we are now back again, stronger than ever and growing faster than ever before. Um, 
what we did do during that kind of period was learn what not to do, at least somewhat learn not what to do. And that's doing physical field sales in this market and doing kind of big enterprise deals and stuff like that. It's, it's just very low velocity, um, uh, not, not at all as high value as kind of running into the mid market and selling online and selling self-service towards like kind of what we call a product led growth model where you kind of invite people to try out the product first. And then after free trial, you choose if you want to use it or not. We're not pushing anything down anyone's throat or, or kind of locking them into long-term contracts. It's all about, if you like the product, you can, you can buy it anywhere in the world. Yeah. So if I were, um, if I owned say, you know, a six or 10 store local coffee chain, would I be likely to hear from you? Like, do you have an outbound? Like, is it a SaaS model for your sales team? Would I get solicited or would it be more about me going out there and looking and finding you? Right now, it's all uh, basically you looking for it because yeah. there's, there's this huge global search going on every micro uh, second. So millisecond, sorry. And we're just kind of feeding that demand right now with, yeah. with the only real streaming service out there. But obviously, when we, when we mature, we might be more proactive and, and you know, forward leaning in terms of, of outbound sales. But I truly believe in kind of product, the best product wins. And that's kind of how Swedes build companies because we can't really do anything else up here in the Nordic part of Europe. We can't go anywhere. We, don't, we can't compete in terms of outreach, right? So we got to focus on product. And, and the, the kind of the product experiential driven sales model fits us quite well, which means we overinvest in product and we really try to understand how product drives perceived value. And the whole free trial of freemium models are great because you invite people, they try out the product, if they like it, they stay. And it's really the proof is in the pudding with that model. And so we can stay focused and online kind of distribution is it's you can, it's no rocket science. Uh, you can do it. You can do it really well or, you know, semi well or bad, but still it's kind of, you can get people who know how to do it for sure. To pivot slightly, could you talk a little bit about, um, about your background and sort of what led you, um, you know, I know you mentioned, uh, you were, you know, you were co-founder at Beats, but I'd love to rewind even a little bit further before, before that and talk about, what led you to um, trying to solve problems around music curation and um, just, you know, what, what led you to your interest in this, in this overall field? Well, I consider myself obviously very lucky um, and I'm extremely humble to the fact that I'm here able to pay my rent by working with music, which, which is um, really why I'm here. Um, it was more than 10 years ago. I kind of took a leap of faith, uh, 12, 12, 13 years now since I kind of changed my career, um, I was doing completely different things before entrepreneurial stuff, but in different sectors. Right. So, um, and I was a music fanatic and extremely, uh, you know, into music. And, um, a lot of my friends were working in the music industry, either on the creative side or on kind of the business side of it. And I just started realizing that they're actually working with their passion and they're able to work with something that, 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 you know, doing it quite well, but just becoming more cynical and darker for every hour. 
Uh, so I knew I needed to change. I knew I, um, I knew I needed to do something with my life and my professional life, um, before, you know, it started running black blood out of my veins or something. And, <laughs> and, and uh, <laughs> it was actually a good story. We were on the Island of Ibiza, which is outside of the Spanish Balearic islands, which is kind of a music Island, um, kind of yeah. alternative music Island back in the days. So it's a bit more commercial now, but it was, uh, is, is a nice place where we hang out during the summer. And I just, it was a night we were up sitting and talking about life. And I just said like, look, I think actually it's time for me to make a, make a change. And I said like, you're here, one of my best friends, actually making money, having fun. And I'm here spending money, having fun. And then I go back and I make a lot of money, but I have, I have a boring time. So imagine if I could actually combine having fun, feeling good about myself and making money. And music was probably the, the main, you know, macro for me and at the time it wasn't only romantic right because it was the music industry was changing right in front of me i did know about the digitization of production uh, distribution and consumption at the same time so obviously there was there was an opportunity presented like maybe i can start a company based on this macro and the change of the market so i did the first company um and this is four companies later into that macro some successes and some failures but it was it was driven by a proactive change of life choice, but with a calibrated, you know, risk approach. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I can't help but um, you know see the through line from you as the DJ in the bar, and now you're the uh, you know you're the sort of the metaphorical DJ in all the bars. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm scared, and and soon I can sit on the beach and let the machines do the job. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, but that's another piece of your interest or passion that um, I think I was starting to understand as I was preparing for our conversation, which is um, you're, am I correct in saying you, you think a lot or you're working a lot now on the scaling aspect of your company? Um, I feel like I saw some writings and some other discussion mm. with you around that notion. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, it's, it's the classical kind of from startup to scale up right now where we've, where we've been able to prove uh, product market fit, meaning that we built a product that actually uh, provides demand. So we're selling a product, people are willing to pay for our product, they're willing to pay a good price for our product in a global marketplace. So when you've achieved that, you've actually achieved quite a lot. And, but that's only the beginning of the challenge of building a global kind of category leader, which, which we're aiming to do. The next step of the equation is going from startup to scale up. And a scale up is, is what usually you talk about go to market, fit, like finding the commercial model and finding the scalable commercial model. That doesn't mean you have to hire people when you grow. I mean, I, I'm, I'm extremely interested in, in scaling, scaling science. And I personally love the, the, the idea of building the diamond of the music industry, very small team, uh, but an extremely focused niche product with high value extraction, with global scalability, um, purely through software. So and that's fun. I mean, that's that's also one of the fun things I, I get to play around with now and just building kind of the dream of the most scalable company. So, yes, scale is on my mind day and night. And it's it's um, interesting. It's entertaining. It's challenging, but it's extremely rewarding if we nail it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, listen, um, I really appreciate the the time you've you've devoted to this. I love learning about your company. i fascinated looking at it from the outside and even more interesting, um, 
now to learn a bit about it. Um, so I really appreciate that opportunity and uh, I wish you all the best. Um, but thank you so much. Thank you for your interest and thank you for having me. Thanks for a really good discussion as well. Um, we'll see where it takes us. Thank you so much, Ola Sars and the team at Soundtrack Your Brand. Thank you, Aunt Taylor and the team at Light. And as always, thank you for listening to Spotlight On. Get and share all of our past episodes, write a review, and even send us a message through our website, spotlightonpodcast.com. Join us again next week. And in the meantime, be safe and stay in touch. Stay in touch.